Welcome to another Booch News podcast with Ian Griffin. So I'm on the phone with Lou Dillon, who is the founder of Twisted Kombucha, which is located just north of London in uh, the UK. How are you doing, Lou? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Ian. Thanks for having me today. Well, it's great. We, we'll get into in a few minutes how we connected uh, based on your uh, your extremely uh, competent science background, uh, because you've uh, written a number of scientific papers about kombucha. But before we get into that, I'd love to hear uh, more about um, how you founded with the kombucha, and I, and I was able to detect right away, because my wife's from Limerick, that you, you actually have an Irish accent. So uh, what brought you to, uh, to London, and, and, and how did you first uh, discover kombucha? Which is a lot to ask, so, you know, to give us the highlight. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you definitely got the accent right. So I'm from Dublin, and um, I, I've, I've been here in the UK since uh, 2009. Um, and prior to living in the UK, I did live in Asia for, for um, 10 years. So I've been a long time out of Ireland, so well done on detecting the Irish accent, because um, <laughs> it's quite funny, a lot of people don't pick it up, actually. And, you know, they guess... Um, you know, South American or Polish or something like that, but never really correctly. So you, you've done it right. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so, and so how, how, so you were asking about how, how I ended up with um, uh, Twisted Kombucha as well. So I suppose in a yeah. way, um, that, that, that's kind of um, a, a bit of a long story of how I ended up with my, uh, with my brand to launch. But um, you mentioned it just there in the introduction that um, I did write some papers, uh, scientific papers. So um, one of the um, one of the reasons that um, I got into kombucha from the from the get go was um, a friend of mine many years ago from uh, from Poland. Actually, she gave me her scoby because um, I was having some sort of stress related gut health issues, and that was kind of almost. If I reflect back to what was going on at the time, I was working in the National Health Service, so I was a nutritionist working in healthcare. And ironically, my own health was quite failing <laughs> based on, you know, the stress of the job. And, you know, so I, I, I was offered this kombucha scoby to grow at home and kind of like start dealing with some health-related issues. Um, and I got really... As you know, um, the scoby is like a cellulose pellicle. For me, I didn't realize what it was at the time. And, and I got freaked out by what I was growing. I didn't really understand it. And I threw it out in the, into the bin. And it wasn't until, um, you know, I left the National Health Service. I went back into university and studied a, a master's in food science. That I was doing my fermentation uh, um, you know, um, kind of modules on fermentation that I realized about this kombucha drink that I was given. And I thought, oh, that would be a good idea for a bit of a project. And um, I presented it to my professor who had never heard of it. He's like a microbiologist of like 40 years or something. And um, he never heard of kombucha. So it was interesting for him. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. And before the end of my master's, I had written two scientific analysis papers um, investigating kombucha um, in terms of its nutritional benefits. I must say that my background yeah. was um, like a, a registered nutritionist. 
and um, what, so really what, what, uh, what university what university was that at I'm sorry uh, that was London Metropolitan University oh so that was in the UK so the, the, the lady who gave you the Polish woman was she was living in the UK it wasn't like you were in Poland she just that was her background no, no, she was living here in the UK, so it happened to be she was also a nutritionist, and we were both working in a hospital in South London, um, St. George's Hospital, and we met there, and um, this is where I got introduced to kombucha for the first time. Yeah, um, and, and yeah. So you went traveling, um, and then how long ago was Twisted founded then? When when did you actually launch your commercial brand, Okay, so Twisted was founded um, during um, during my master's, which was in 2019 when I graduated. Um, so when I wrote those papers, it was um, over the course of an 18-month 18 18 month, um, um, uh, master's degree. Um, and during the whole process, we done modules like MPD, new product development, and really kind of I just geeked out on kombucha. It was just fascinating for me to investigate it and actually realize then the more I researched into it and the more I got to understand about what the low-to-know industry was like and, you know, just the fascinating um, aspect of this fermentation and, and the fact that there was never any real scientific evidence to validate it as an amazing drink, but yet it was renowned as this amazing drink that nobody could really put their finger on. So I really wanted to contribute to the scientific side of it. And um, that's where, you know, the, the papers came from. Um, one thing led to another, and it was just like I ended up doing my thesis on it as well. So. Yeah, and you sent me the papers, and it's sort of way above my scientific uh, level of understanding because you, you talked about. I'm just looking here, a reverse phase separation performed using the HALO C18 column and at 25 degrees Celsius, the solution of phosphoric acid and methanol. So you did, this wasn't just like looking at literature and summarizing uh, the science on kombucha. You were actually in the lab by the sound of it, running uh, samples through various forms of analysis. I mean, obviously, we, we, there's no way we can... Uh, summarize that in a brief podcast, but what was your takeaway if, if, if you sort of had to explain this to your, uh, you know, 70-year-old aunt back in Dublin, what would you say you found out about kombucha? <laughs> okay. Um, it, it, it's hard to narrow it down into, like, a couple of words, but, yeah, it, it, it was a, a huge paper anyway in my final. Um, I've done two particular studies on it. So one was related to the caffeine, um, in the kombucha, um, obviously from the tea that is um, um, uh, prepared with, um, I was able to then uh, do some analysis on the, the amount of live um, probiotic um, lactic acid bacteria, which we know is a probiotic which can survive the gut, um, at transit and um, be classified as a probiotic. Uh, so it was kind of like in, in, in identification of, of those bacteria in the kombucha. But then I also investigated different ratios of, um, con uh, of tea. So um, a blended tea of green and black tea, and then a, a black tea on its own, and then green tea on its own. So what was really surprising was that the green tea was producing a lot more lactic acid bacteria compared to the other two um, samples that I used. Um, so things like that wow. were really surprising. And, yeah, you know, and, and I mean, 
and and I mean, as an aside note, um, you know, the uh, magazine's uh, Symbiosis, which is published by Kombucha Brewers International, has been looking into the science of kombucha. We've had a, a series of articles by a French researcher, Thierry San, and uh, it's quite likely we'll be able to publish a summary of your research. But in doing that, I looked at their archive on kombuchabrewersinternational.com of science papers, and there is only three or four on caffeine. So, whereas I imagine, you know, people in general in this industry, the brewers and so on, are aware of probiotics, aware of sugar content, and that's put on the label. But, I mean, why or what, what did you find out with the caffeine compared to the, it obviously, I guess, comes from the tea that you make it with. Um, I always thought it was fermented out, but maybe that's not accurate. I mean, what's your thoughts on the caffeine level of kombucha? Okay, it's quite it's quite an interesting one because um, without kind of reading that paper again and going back into my student brain, it kind of from 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 memory, if it serves me well, it was kind of um, the results that was. Um, um, you know, so when 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 the final results uh, were revealed, the amount of caffeine per hundred mils of of um, of, uh, of of kombucha, it was quite large, uh, in comparison to like what an espresso maybe. Um, so so that really surprised me. Um, but I didn't realize tea had so much caffeine in it. But if you're using a blend, I suppose, as well, you've got a double kind of co- uh, contribution of that caffeine. But also um, there was um, uh, relatively less um, stimulation. I, I, it feels like there was relatively less stimulation. Some of the papers that I was looking at, it was um, not um, impacting on the central nervous system as much as uh, it would if it was a coffee. And the caffeine molecules, which is an alkaloid, um, it's an alkaloid molecule. It was kind of like degraded by the back. It, it, well, it was degraded at the end compared to the starting point, which does indicate that there is some kind of um, metabolizing by the bacteria. And um, there's, nitro- there's some nitrogen fixing bacteria, which may be kind of consuming the nitro- nitrogenous compounds that are in the the the, the coffee, the, the caffeine molecule. So, without going. Um, um, into the science, which I don't really, you know, I, for me it was been able to kind of like give an overview of what the content of caffeine was in there uh, at the beginning of the, the trial and then at the end of it, um, and then compare it to a couple of other um, cafe, uh, kombuchas that was on the market. Um, it did reveal that there was a need for the kombucha manufacturers to provide the um, the, the, the amount of caffeine on there because it's quite a significant amount and. We don't do mm-hmm. that here in the UK, or uh, there's quite a lot. Well, I suppose it, it depends on what regulations are in the US. But according to the European Food Standards Agency, the kombucha should then be potentially labelled with caffeine regulations on there as well. You know, a caffeine warning for consumers, which we don't really do. Right. I mean, suppose um, this leads me down into why I got really um, passionate about kombucha was because um, what I did discover in my um, research and over the years was that there's a lot of adulterated kombucha out there and and, and we don't have it regulated and um, you know I, I know that you guys are working on um, uh, a lot of um, uh, ground work when it comes to some regulations into the industry 
So I was really passionate about being able to help support that as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a big job. Yeah, no, I, I mean... I mean, my my own personal experience is I don't drink a lot of caffeine. I have green tea sometimes mid-morning, um, but most of the I don't drink coffee. I haven't drunk coffee for a long time. And uh, I can drink kombucha, my homebrew, pretty, you know, with dinner, maybe 8 o'clock at night, and go straight to sleep at 10, 10.30. Uh, so I'm not myself. Uh, you said a minute ago, it, it, it seems that maybe if there is caffeine, it, I, it's not maybe as impactful on the human body for some people, and obviously it varies and different consumers will have different responses, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the more, really, the more research is done on kombucha, because you said your your uh, your professor hadn't even heard of it. So the science industry, I mean, you were a student, you were doing a master's, and produced some fascinating results. But let's switch gears now um, to the point where you said you you decided that this was not just something you study in the lab to produce a thesis, but uh, what led you to think this was something you would do as a commercial enterprise? How did, how did you first, did you have to use all your savings up, or did you launch, <laughs> were you the sole founder? Did you have partners or family or friends helping? Oh, wow. Um, yes, so um, the fact that I'd come from been a student so I, I left work completely because um, I, I just really wanted to focus on, on, on doing my studies and not have to deal with um, you know uh, work related like stresses and stuff so I left um, work completely so I kind of got used to living a lifestyle which was like let's say um, it wasn't as embellished as it should be working a full-time job so I kind of got used to uh, being able to bootstrap and um, so my business is bootstrapped and up until up until today, I have just really started to I've, I've reinvested everything back in. Any profit was reinvested, um, and yeah, no um, no backing or anything like that. So I've been able to um, kind of survive through the um, the pandemic. Um, and I think lucky enough, I started just at the beginning of the pandemic. So I started really. Um, experimenting with the kombucha in the local farmers markets and um, trying to get into little uh, independent retailers locally. Um, and that had started at around um, September 2019. I was, I, I was still doing some shifts within the NHS and um, I decided at the, um, the onsite of the pandemic that I was not going to because I was frontline as well and it meant that you know we were going to be put into pressured situations as well so I didn't want to have to deal no. with that so I, left, I left the NHS completely um, and decided that Twisted Kombucha was going to be my full-time um, job <laughs> so yeah yeah, so yeah. So good. And, and let's let's fast forward to today then you're you said I think you're you're now in a, a commercial facility in a small industrial estate. Uh, this is about 20 miles north of London, I understand, maybe less than that. Maybe it's in the commuter area for London. But uh, how 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 big a facility have you got? I mean, if you could give me an idea how many liters or gallons you're brewing a month and that kind of thing, what, what size is the operation today? Um, okay, the size of the, the operation. I still do a lot of brewing out of um, small vessels, but I do lots of it. Uh, so it's like labor intensive. You, as you know, you probably end up, um, you probably brew yourself. 
Um, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. you get the best results from smaller um, uh, vessels, and it's more you're able to control it a lot easier. Um, quality control is um, is better using smaller vessels, but I do have the capacity to brew um, up to I think it's about one thousand three hundred liters at the moment. Um, and that's spread out into different um, per per batch. Um, and my oh, batches batch. are, are oh well, in the total in the total amount of um, vessels that I have, it can be um, the, the, the it can hold up to about one thousand two hundred, one thousand three hundred um, okay. at any one time. So then I can have it. Um, I I you know when I when I go into kind of. Um, uh, developing um, my flavors for for production, I'd probably take off about three or four hundred liters per batch, and right. um, and that takes a long time <laughs> because everything is still done by hand as well. Um, hand labeling, a little hand labeler. Um, uh-huh. You know, hand it's, it's a well. I have a little machine, but my, my um, a friend of mine built me a machine, um, a six bottle filling machine, which is brilliant. And um, so yeah, I've been able to kind of um, um, streamline the, the the bottling process um, by using that machine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And right now, right now. At the next um, the next stage for me is um, I'm just looking into um, the right type of equipment at the moment for to um, speed up my process because it takes quite a long time to bottle 300 liters using the process that I'm using. Um, so right. yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at the right type of equipment. I've done some um, uh, research just recently, and I'm I'm in the process of just making final decisions on on what my next step in terms of production is going to be. Um, right, which is a bit of a um, an increase in volume and potentially a little bit of um, stabilizing the product as well. Because at the moment, um, as you know, um, um, when it's naturally carbonated and it's secondary fermenting in in, in bottle, um, that's quite inconsistent, uh, depending on the seasons. Um, so yeah, I want to kind of um, speed up that process a little bit. So I'm thinking to maybe um, do an in-bottle carbonator. So, yeah, this is the, the, the plan for the next couple of months is to really just um, yeah. uh, streamline that process of the production. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at your website, and it looks like you've got a half a dozen flavors. The biscuits and lavender, ginger, pineapple, cascade, hops, butterfly, pea flower, strawberry, biscuits, and ginger are natural. And really beautiful-looking transparent labels by the looks of it. The, the color of the... Uh, Different uh, flavors shows through. Um, where and how how broadly is it distributed? You said you started in farmers markets and a few local shops. Are you in any bigger chains or any? Do you go into central London or is it pretty much in Hertfordshire where you're located? No, so I've just moved into Hertfordshire in August, so I didn't really have like a base here up until um, the last you know few few months. Um, so. I've Mainly have been based um, North London, uh, East London, West London, but recently I've been move- making moves into Central London. Um, I've just got a listing in one of the um, larger stores, which is um, Partridges in in Central London, Sloan Square, which I'm really pleased about. And um, yeah, so I think uh, I've, I'm, I'm pushing over 40 retailers at the moment. Um, but it's limited, really, based on the production that I'm doing. And 
and also I'm doing it all by myself as well. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's a I I I do have a friend who helps me on operations like bottle and day and um you know but it's it's I don't have a team uh, as it's quite um early days for me in developing a team and I, I feel like this is this is part of um the the, the course now it just really is about developing the right um uh, production team to yeah to support on that um yeah and i'm always curious to hear in different places because I, I i was in germany back in november and of course based in california which is got dozens and dozens of brands but i mean there's now a lot in london in england too i think you're pushing close to 100 across the whole country with a few major ones like equinox but um number one kombucha but um What's your, because uh, you were in farmer's markets, and I presume you still have a lot of interaction with the, con- the consumer, the customers, the people who drink kombucha. I mean, what's your take on how well-known kombucha is in, in the southeast, in London area? Um, do you have any particular sort of thoughts on the kind of people? Is it, is it a range of people, you think, who have, who have taken to kombucha, who like drinking your kombucha, or... Or is there certain groups of customers that you, you've noticed over the years, since 2019, who are more attracted? Is it younger people or middle-aged, older? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's really strange, that question, because everyone wants you to, as a business owner, define your target market. And it's like, I can't define it because I have I have customer base, which is right through the age, um, you know, the, the different ages, different life cycles. I, I have a lot of, um, you know, when I'm working in events and, and markets, I get to talk to a lot of my customers. Well, I, I talk to all my customers and they leave with a bottle of kombucha and a nutritional <laughs> protocol. And it's like, um, it's so interesting to talk to them. And, you know, uh, right from, you know, um, uh, at, at, you know you've got your um, uh, elderly people who are really interested in um, their 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 digestive issues um, down to 20-somethings who's interested in just like having like an alternative to a, a, a alcoholic drink which is um, a low sugar so so it really is kind of like right across the board um, but generally uh, people are going towards the health uh, the healthy choice they're looking for options that are healthier um, I think people are becoming a lot more aware of the fact that there's a lot of um, mass-produced adulterated kombucha appearing on the market and, and they've gotten introduced to it that way um, and they potentially don't like kombucha because they've been having an experience with like a bad taste in kombucha and I always get them to try a properly fermented one and they walk away with a purchase um, and a change of heart when it comes to kombucha and then you know with the it, with the kind of knowledge that they really kind of should be, I suppose, looking at the ingredients that the kombucha has got, you know, and because, uh, you know, artificial sweeteners is <laughs> not a great way to manage your gut health. Right. It's going to damage yeah. people's gut, really. Dysbiosis is one of the kind of problems. And, um, you know, a lot of the kombucha that is on the market has got artificial sweeteners in there, unfortunately. So it's, it's the yeah. dark side of the kombucha industry that, as, you know, as a small producer, you kind of uh, you have those um, uh, barriers to being able to get your your brand, um, you know, uh, I suppose, no, well known in in the industry. But like, if 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 it's a really good nutrition 
um, uh, offering and functional drink um, and people are going to get health benefits, they're going to be your um, your target customers. And maybe if people are looking for kombucha, that is just another version of a healthy soda, a healthy fizzy, a healthier fizzy soda made with artificial sweeteners. I mean, there's two different types of people who are, you know, who are buying kombucha for, for different reasons. Yeah, I hear what you say. I mean, I came to the U.S. as a student back in the 70s, I'm aging myself now, but um, at those days, you know, unlike France and Germany and well, Britain didn't really have a big consumption of wine, it was more beer, but in the 70s in the U.S., it was all what they call gallo wine or jug wine uh, that was mostly drunk. And, of course, today I live near the Napa Valley, so people are paying $60, $70 for, you know, really fine wines. And I think it's the case in the U.K. too. People in the last generation or two have, have taken to wine. And people learn, you know, that the wine they drink when they buy a $3 bottle or a big jug that's not very well produced is a lot different. And I think that's what you're now going into a market, that that, that, that distinction is, is beginning to emerge. It's not just anything that says kombucha, but the fact that you, and I, I'm looking at your Instagram, and, it, you know, you're really focusing on the, the sugar content compared to apple juice. You say it's 2.8 grams compared to 11% in apple juice. You, you're focusing on the health benefits as well as, I mean, I'm assuming it's a given. Your, your, your kombucha tastes great and that people like it. Too. Do you do, you, uh, do any e-commerce, do you, or do you ship, like, Outside of it, can people order it online? Is that something you're able to do? Yes, yes. So I uh, have a website which um, has a, a functioning shop on there, and um, I offer um, uh, mixed cases, so people can uh, people online who are, who are purchasing online can get my um, my seasonal versions of it, what's not in retail. So at, at the moment, I have um, five. Uh, flavors which are going into retail and and then every every batch I make a seasonal flavor which is flavor of the month and um, last batch last month was rosemary and orange and you know it, it just changes all the time so the people who can buy online can get um, a, a seasonal uh, version um, in in their mix box um, and yeah I mean online has taken off a little bit I'm trying to have trying to figure out how to how to master an e-commerce aspect of the business as well um, yeah, it's a lot to take on for one one brain. <laughs> it sure is. I mean, I'm, I mean, on your on your uh, Instagram, you've posted over eight hundred posts. I presume you do all that yourself, do you? Or do you do you have a, anybody like helping you with the photography or the copy or? I have had uh, some photography done, um, and then I just recycled those images. Um, and then uh, for the last six months, I've had some support with my uh, Instagram, which has been really, uh, it's been really good to let somebody else manage it, but I'm taking it back again at the moment. And, um, um, but, the, you know, you go through little phases. I mean, um, it, it also depends, I suppose, on um, uh, what your cash flow is like as well. Like, you know, certain parts of the year, um, it could be really good for um, having some work done in terms of, like, marketing. Um, but I suppose I'll just explain the last half of um, uh, 2022 for me was pretty um, – it was pretty hard because I moved into a new premises in August. 
And I didn't really kind of envisage that it would take quite a long time to establish the kombucha into a new environment. I kind of had a feeling that it might be, you know, a month or two maximum, but it took at least four months, maybe five months before the kombucha started getting back to normal again, as in lively and tasting amazing the way I like to have it. And um, it's all down to like the change of the environment and then the change in the water supply. So I've had some technical sort of um, uh, experiments in the last few months, different um, like water filters and like different types of like um, uh, particles removed from the water uh, to treat it so that it's pure. Um, And yeah, so all of that has has impacted production um, for the last kind of six months. So I've been, you know, um, I suppose taking a step back into like NPD times, new product, not not new product, but like research and development and kind of like figuring out the water all over again. So it, it's good, yeah. now, but it's yeah. you know, big things when you're dealing with a live product, you've got those um, uh, issues to deal with as well. Yeah, well, it seems like you you are a very very busy person in uh, in all kinds of aspects of business, running it all by yourself, and uh, the demand. I mean, in forty stores and forty retailers, and do you still do farmers markets, or is, is there not time to? That would take up your weekends, I guess. Uh, no, so I still I still I, I like talking to my 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 customers. I like introducing them um, to new people. Um, I still do markets, so I uh, I do a couple of markets in um, in central London, so sort of um, near, near the city, um, in a place called Wapping and another place called Canada Water, and they're good footfall markets. So lots of transient um, uh, consumers just passing through. So you know, um, sometimes you go to uh, a farmers market. Maybe well, it depends. It it can be really quiet yeah. and not not good for kombucha in a farmers market. And other times it could be really good, depending on the weather as well. I suppose. But um, yeah. these two markets that I do um, that I've done are quite good for me all the time. So it's been quite consistent yeah. through the year. So well, so, great. Well, if, if people want to find out more about you, the website. What's the website to get to your so they can go online and look. My website is um, uk, um, and my Instagram right. is twistedkombucha. It's twisted um, because it's tea with a twist. Back then when I was trying to... Tea with a twist. Okay, that, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Back, back then when I was trying to think of a brand name which was kind of you know, um, important. Um, and it just goes back to basics. It's, it is like tea with a twist, and that was the tagline back then. Yeah. Well, good luck uh, growing your business. It's been great to hear. And uh, your scientific papers, if, uh, I might, if, if people go to Booch News, um, I, I've got to see about loading them, if I can load them, or at least put a link to them where if they're available online, people can look at them. But they're very interesting, too, at a very different level. And... Uh, Hopefully, anybody listening to this in the London area, take a look at the uh, website and contact you if they want to see where to buy it. You've got uh, a list of shops and retailers. It was great to, to hear from you today, Lou. It's been really nice to talk, Ian. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.